the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In fact, if they are real friends, they hold us accountable. Good friends help us live holy lives. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is an extension of Pastor Steve's 27-year preaching ministry at Lakeside. Today we are concluding a three-part message which is part of a series on the life of David. Over the past two days, we have learned about two of the essential ingredients of true friendship, common passions in life, and caring for one another. Today, we will consider the third component. I'm sure that some of you are listening in your car or office, so it isn't possible to follow along in your own Bible. But if you are in a situation where you can read along with us, I would encourage you to do so. Our text is 1 Samuel chapter 18. But before we go there, Pastor Steve has something to show us in chapter 1 of that same book. Let's listen. Number three, there is a misinterpretation of the passage of Scripture that says that uh, David and Jonathan's love was greater than the love of a woman. In fact, let, let's turn there. Second Samuel chapter 1, verse 25. This is when Jonathan died. David says, how have the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? Jonathan is slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. Now, this doesn't reflect any sensuality in their relationship, but it does reveal, in my judgment, it reveals that David, while very close to Jonathan, but I think it also reveals that David didn't have a very good and healthy relationship with a wife. If your best friend has a better relationship with you than your spouse, something is wrong with your relationship with your spouse. Kent Hughes in his book, Discipline of a Godly, Disciplines of a Godly Man, says this, that David felt Jonathan's love was more wonderful than, the, than that of a woman would not have been said if he had a good monogamous marriage. This is testimony to the poverty of his relationship with his wives, an inevitable result of the sin of multiplying wives. And it was a sin because Deuteronomy 17, verse 17 said, the king of Israel must never have more than one wife. So that's my interpretation of it. Regardless of that, whether I'm right or wrong in that interpretation, there was certainly nothing sensual, sexual about David's relationship with Jonathan. So I want to say this. I think one reason why men are not close to other men, Christian men not close to other men, is because uh, they're afraid of being labeled. They're afraid of being labeled as gay. They're afraid uh, of what the culture will say. Listen, men, be men. Don't let the culture dictate to you how you behave. Some think it's not manly to have a close male friend. Why people think there's something wrong with you if, if you're with another man too much. Uh, be biblical. Be biblical. Go against the grain of, of the culture. And if the, if the people think things about you, so what? David didn't, didn't care. Jonathan didn't care. The Bible teaches us that we ought to have close male friendships and female 
friendships with other females. That's what the Bible teaches. So with that out of the way, we need to realize that Jonathan and David cared for each other. That's what the verses are really saying. They loved, Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. They cared for each other in a friendship that had no sexual overtones. And not only is this possible between two men or two women, but it's a biblical essential for a meaningful friendship. So what does it mean? What does it mean when the Bible says to love a friend as yourself? What does that really mean? I think way in the New Testament, in Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul gave us, gives us some insight about that. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, Paul is speaking, of course, in the context of a husband and wife relationship, but it's certainly applicable to friendship because he's speaking of a oneness, souls that are knit together. So there's an application here. In verse 28, Paul says uh, of Ephesians 5, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Paul is referring, as I said, to a special oneness and love of a, of a husband and wife, but the principle applies. principle applies. To love a friend as you love yourself is to care for them as we care for ourselves. It's simply that. To care for them as we care for ourselves. Just as we are careful to provide for ourselves, our physical needs, and, and we nurture ourselves and so forth, so we're to live this, uh, give the same attention, the same time, the same energy to a true friend. You know how deep Jonathan and David cared for each other? They made a commitment to take care of each other's family after they died. Now that, that is to care for one another. You see, true friendship is selfless. And we need to hear this because so much of what we think is a friendship is not. It's one-sided. So much of what we think is friendship is really manipulative, controlling. Some people think they're friends, but they're really not friends. They're very controlling or they smother someone. They can't stand that, that my friend is with somebody else. They're very jealous. That's not true friendship. True friendship is selfless. True friendship doesn't say, oh, great, now I have a friend. I can talk to you for hours on the phone and pour out my heart. I've been waiting for this. In fact, I would pay $5 to speak to someone nonstop on the phone. That's how desperate I am. No, that's not true friendship. True friendship doesn't go into it saying, oh, I've been looking for you all of my life. Now sit here and let me pour my heart out. True friendship says, I'll be selfless. I will be the friend to you. I will care for you like I care for myself. That's what a true friend is. Very important to understand. Some people just want friendship to meet their own needs. They, just, they want attention. And they end up smothering people. And they end up controlling them. And when the other person backs off, they get really down on them. Oh, that's not the issue. That's not the issue. It's, it's you. You need to be willing to care about somebody else. Not just talk about yourself. Not just uh, look at this other person as being there to meet your needs. It's you are to love them as you love yourself. And we certainly do love ourselves, don't we? A real friend cares for his friends in such a way that he does what's best for them. You know, not only do I know this from 1 Samuel 18, I know this from the words of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this. Well, greater love than no what? What is this great greater love that no one has? Then one should lay down his life for his friends. Do you get that? 
Jesus said the greatest love is this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus went on to say, you're my friends. I'm going to lay my life down for you. Now, I don't think the Lord is necessarily calling us to physically die for our friends, although that might be the case. But he's telling us that our love for a friend has no limits. It demands sacrifice on our part. We make sacrifices. We do whatever we need to for the sake of our friend. Proverbs 17, 17 says this. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Where did you get that? A friend loves at all times. In other words, true biblical friendship is not a fair weather friend. We have that expression, a fair weather friend. A true friend sticks with you even through the tough times of life. Why? Because a meaningful friendship is built upon love. And love is built upon acceptance. I accept someone. Love accepts others in an unconditional way. It doesn't say you have to be a certain way for me to really love you. It's like God's love. God didn't say you better change your life before I love you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and and he loved us. Story is told that during the Korean War, phone rang one day in a very fashionable home on the east coast of the United States. And uh, when the, uh, the woman picked up the phone, to her astonishment, she found on the other line was her son, who had been in the Korean War, and uh, she had not heard from him for many, many, many months. And now she was startled and delighted to hear that he was in San Diego, and he was on his way home. This is what he said to her, Mom, I just wanted to let you know that I'm bringing a buddy home with me. He got hurt pretty bad. And he has only one eye, one arm, and one leg. I'd sure like him to live with us. Sure, son, she replied. Sounds like a very brave man. We can find room for him for a while. Mom, you don't understand. I want him to come live with us. The mother said, well, okay. We could try for six months or so. The son said, no, mom. I want him to stay always. He needs us. He's only got one arm, one leg, and one eye. He's really in bad shape. His mother, at that point, lost her patience and said, Son, you're being pretty unrealistic about this. You're being emotional because you've been in war. That boy will be a drag on you and a problem for all of us. Be reasonable. At that point, suddenly the phone clicked dead. The next day, the parents received from the Navy a telegram that crushed them. The night before, their son had leaped to his death from the 12th floor of a San Diego hotel. And a week later, when they received his body, they looked down with unspeakable sorrow on the corpse of their one-eyed, one-armed, one-legged son. You see, acceptance is what love is built upon. And maybe the reason that so few of us have any close friendships is that we tend to be overly critical of others, not accepting. We look down upon others. Instead of loving them for who they are, we evaluate them and we reject them because in our pride, we think we're better than them. Jonathan loved David as his own soul. He didn't think he was better. Remember, this is the the king's son. He didn't think he was better. Sometimes, just as I said, our sinful pride that we think we're really better than others, and therefore we look down upon them rather than honestly admitting that we are the worst of sinners. And we ought to be grateful that Jesus died for us and chose us to be part of his family. And uh, that attitude will lead you to love others who are no better and no worse than you. So what are the essentials of a meaningful friendship? Number one, it's a common heart. A common heart. A soul knit together with another soul that sees life 
from a godly perspective. Secondly, it's a caring heart. Not one who says, oh, I've got somebody to care for me, but I will care for you. There is a third essential for a meaningful friendship, and that is a committed heart. A committed heart. Notice verse 3. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. He made, he made a covenant. What is a covenant? The concept of a covenant is this, that it is a commitment made by two parties in which they bind themselves together by oath. That's a covenant. A covenant is really a, an agreement. It's, it's like a contract. That, that's really what it is. And in David and Jonathan's case, they made a commitment to be what? Loyal friends. That's the covenant. They made a commitment and a contract to be loyal friends. They vowed to be true and loyal to each other all of their lives. You know what? I think that would be a, a good idea for us. I think that would be a good idea for us to do, to actually make a pact with someone and a verbal commitment to be their friend. You see, when you verbalize something, I think it, it, it uh, just uh, solidifies it. I think it makes it much more easier to give of yourself. It's, you're out in the open. There's, there's no games I commit myself to being your friends. Can we agree on this? That the rest of our lives, even when we disagree on things, we will work through it and we will be loyal to each other. I think that's a, that's a good thing to do. But Jonathan went one step beyond making a pact with David. Verse 4 says, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on David and gave it to, robe rather, that was on him, and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, what does that mean? Why would Jonathan do this? What was the significance of this? I think this was a symbolic a thing that he did by stripping himself of his royal apparel. Remember, he's the son of the, of the present king, Jonathan is. And putting it on David, Jonathan was, was symbolically recognizing David's election to be the next king. In other words, Jonathan honored David by letting him know that he was committed to elevating David to the kingship that God had chosen for him. He wasn't going to stand in the way. You see, Jonathan didn't look at David and, said, and say, you know what? I'm supposed to be the next king. And, and you come along... I'm the son of, of Saul, not you. Who do you think you are? If you're the next king, then what am I? That wasn't, wasn't where he was at at all. Jonathan was committed to elevating David to the place that God wanted him to be. He wasn't jealous. He wasn't threatened. He was his greatest friend, and he recognized God's sovereignty in his life. Now, what does this tell us about friendship? True friends desire God's best for one another. They are committed to helping each other achieve God's best in their lives. That's tremendous truth. Tremendous truth. They are not manipulative, as I said before. They don't try to control you. They're not jealous of your blessing. They just desire the best for you. And, and so it, it really all boils down to loyalty. A commitment to be a loyal friend, to look out for each other so that your friend succeeds. I think that's so important, that commitment. you know why? I have concluded this. I have had people along the, the road of life that I thought were my friends until I had a disagreement with them. And then I saw how superficial and surface it was. There was no commitment there. I, I thought there was. On my part, I thought there was. But uh, they backed off because they, they could not agree to disagree. They were threatened. They were threatened by any disagreement. You need to make a commitment to somebody to be their friend. You first need to pray for the right one, and then a commitment. And through thick and thin, you are their friend, and they are your friend. So now that, now that you know what goes into a real friendship, 
common heart, a, a caring heart, a committed heart. How do you cultivate a friendship with someone else? Where, in other words, where do we go from here? May I encourage you to write some of this down? I'm going to give you some practical ways to cultivate a friendship. I think, number one, it all begins by praying. Praying. James said, you have not because you ask not. Probably very few of us have asked for this kind of a friendship. But while you're asking God to give you a friend like this, pray that you would change in order to have the capacity to be a friend like this. In other words, don't just pray for somebody to be your friend. You pray for you to, to be their friend. It's not a one-way street. Two ways. The capacity to cultivate a deep friendship. Secondly, very practical, be in the place where you can make friends with the right kind of people. Don't pray and then never be around God's people. How are you going to develop a friendship with another Christian if you uh, are not with them? If you're not in Sunday school, if you're not in a home Bible study, uh, if you don't invite people to your home, uh, how about the men's fellowship coming up? Men, you lonely, you want friends? Come to the fellowship. How about the ladies' Bible study coming up this, this fall? How about the, what Michelle said, the ladies' retreat? Great way to, to cultivate something. I mean, you've got to be with Christians. See, that's human responsibility. With divine sovereignty, God will give you a friend as you pray. But human responsibility says, I need to be in the place where that will take place. And that's being with other Christians. Number three, be friendly and be positive. Compliment people. That's a new thought, isn't it? Compliment them. Build them up. Nobody wants to be with, a, with friends. Nobody wants to be friends with people who are negative and critical. I'm just telling you. People like those who affirm and compliment them. That's just common sense. In fact, it was Mark Twain who said, I can live for two months on a compliment. Hey, I can live for a year on a compliment, you know, two months. So I think that's important. Don't be negative. Don't be critical. Nobody wants to be around you when you're like that. Compliment people. Build them up. I'm not talking about empty flattery. I'm not talking about saying things just to say things. I'm talking about being an encourager, speaking the truth in love. Number four, very important, listen to others. Don't just talk. Listen to them. This just conveys that, that they're important to you. Ask questions and be quiet and listen. Now, there's a time when you talk, and when you do talk, and you need to, be open, be honest, be transparent. I want to show you something from John chapter 15, where Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he, one lays down his life for his, for his friends. He said, you're my friends if you do what I command you. In other words, believers are his friends. Isn't that great to know? He's not only our savior, he's our friends. But also, look at this, verse 15. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. That's true. Master doesn't have to tell a slave anything. He just says, do this. You don't have to explain to him why. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You know what I, I see in this? There's a lot of truths in this. But I see this, that, that true friendship shares from the heart. Just as Jesus said, I have revealed to you what the father revealed to me. True friendship really shares some in-depth things. It talks. It opens up. See, this is true fellowship. It shares struggles. It shares sinful problems. Not that Christ had any sin. I'm not saying that. But it shares from the heart. If you want to be a friend, you've got to open up. It, it can't be just surface. It, it's got to be a fellowship based upon sharing our fears, our struggles, 
the lessons that God has been teaching us, not coming across like we've got our act together. A lot of people are intimidated to make friends with some, some Christians because those Christians don't seem like they have any problems. And we know that's not true. Amen? Thank you. Uh, that's not true. So we've got to be open. We've got to be honest. We've got to be sharing. Number five, accept people for who they are. Otherwise, people are going to have their guard up. Don't be sarcastic. Don't have innuendos, put-downs, awkward silences. Accept people for who they are. It's not your job to change them. You're not the Holy Spirit. You're not called to be the policeman of the Christian community. Let the Lord deal with them, and, and you be a friend, and you accept them for who they are. Someone said this, an open, accepting soul is like a well-lit home on a cold, dark night. Isn't that good? Don't you like when people accept you for who you are? When they listen to you, when they look in your eyes, when they pay attention to you, when they're really interested in you, that's the kind of person that you ought to be. That's the kind of person you ought to be in being a friend. So I encourage you to, to take this and pray and change and apply it to your life. But I want to say this to uh, those who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. What a friend we have in Jesus. If you come to know him, he'll not only forgive your sins, he'll not only be your savior, he will be your friend. And you will know the reality of a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you want a relationship with God, you have to go through Christ. And you, the way you go through him is by repenting of your sin, turn from your sin, and trust Jesus Christ alone as the only way to heaven. Commitment is a word that I am afraid might soon disappear from our dictionary. By and large, our society has abandoned the concept and elected to follow the path of least resistance. We avoid lasting commitments to friends, jobs, and even family. And then we wonder why we feel like we are alone in the world. If you are not in a committed, accountable friendship with someone, I hope you will take advantage of the tips Pastor Steve has shared with us for finding and making true friends. God uses friends in powerful ways to help us be more Christ-like. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981. These daily radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Here now is Pastor Steve to explain how you can help us continue this ministry. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. Learn more about Verse by Verse and listen online at versebyverseradio.org. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Steve. We have more information on our website, versebyverseradio.org. There are also archives of hundreds of previous classes that you can listen to online or download for later. We offer a free podcasting service as well as a complimentary newsletter. Come see us at versebyverseradio.org. The three-part message we just heard is available on CD or cassette. If you would like to order one, give us a call at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a phone number, and we'll call you back during regular office hours. 
One of the most frustrating things that ever happened to me occurred when I was in the seventh grade. I was in a large study hall, and the kid behind me kept reaching around and stealing my ink pen. I took it back several times before a teacher came and dragged me, and only me, out of the study hall. My explanations fell on deaf ears, and my punishment was painful and embarrassing. We have all felt the pain and discouragement of being misunderstood. How best to deal with it? Please join us for the next Verse by Verse. As we continue this study in the life of David, Pastor Steve Kreloff will show us through the example of King David how God can use even the misery of misunderstanding to help us and glorify himself. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Home cooking. I've eaten more of it in the last couple of weeks than I've eaten in the last couple of years, and it is so good. I'm Bill Carl. Thanks for listening on this Monday morning, April 27th to Faith Talk 570 and 910. It's great to be with you. So I have to tell you, this is the last week of the Kindness Challenge. You can take that challenge at letstalkfaith.com, thanks to our friends at Word of Life. Possibly win yourself $5,000 and $5,000 for a ministry you love. Learn more at Let's Talk Faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.